You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me, for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness, for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who are they that fear the Lord? He will teach them the way that they should choose. They will abide in prosperity, and their children shall possess the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me, and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart, and bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my life, and deliver me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all its troubles. Pastor Bob, and uh, I love the Psalms. I hope that uh, you are someone that is falling in love with the Psalms or that you value the Psalms. In this series of messages, we're learning that the Psalms are prayers and the Psalms are songs. I read the Psalms every day. I uh, pray the Psalms every day. I oftentimes pray them out loud. And I sing them when I know the music to them. (laughs) I love the Schweitzer app that has a new psalm based on the psalm that we look at each week, a fresh psalm from our praise and worship team. And I really want to encourage you to check out the Schweitzer app. And also you can follow the message notes through that app. One of the things that I love about the psalms is it invites us to get clear images of who God is. And it uses these rich, vivid metaphors that where the psalmist proclaims, God, you are my rock. Or God, you are my shepherd. Or God, you are like my mother's lap. God, you are my king. God, you are my light. God, you are my hiding place. And in the midst of this conversation in the Psalms, oftentimes we have these wonderful sense that God is calling us to identify clearly with him based on one of these attributes. Now, I want to 
ask you to play a game with me. We're going to look at some mascots of some various sports teams. So when the image appears, just call out the name of the school or the team. Missouri State. Mizzou. Arkansas. All right, then. Drury. St. Louis Cardinals. Although I think they should remove the bat from the Cardinals because they're just not hitting the ball these days. Well, what would you, your mascot be for God? When you think of the Holy Spirit, the Scripture gives us the dove, that the Spirit comes as a dove. What would your mascot be for Jesus, God the Son? Some great, wonderful metaphors, but some prevalent ones. He's the lion, and he's the lamb. We need Jesus to be both. We need the fierceness of a lion. We need the gentle, sacrificial love of the lamb. I have found Jesus to be all those things and more. How about you? What would your image be? What would your metaphor be for God, God the Father? The great metaphor that has captured my heart the last couple of months is the white stag. Uh, The white stag is mysterious. The white stag is elusive. The white stag is ghost-like, is is beautiful, is awesome. The, The white stag is beyond being captured and stands over among us in the pastures or along a mountainside. I was introduced to this image a couple of months ago in the barber shop. My barber, Tyler, has the shop simply entitled The White Stag. And on the wall of his barber shop, he has these words that describe the white stag. I'm not going to read all the words to you, but toward the end he says that we look on the white stag as a spiritual metaphor for seeking God and pursuing a Christian faith. That desire is written on the heart of every man and is ready to be awakened. Has that been awakened in you? The adventure, the pursuit of God. How is God calling you to this pursuit, to this great hunt of knowing him in that way? The white stag is this rich, wonderful spiritual metaphor. It appears in The Hobbit or The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and Harry Potter and and all the different spiritual writings in various gamuts across the spectrum. The white stag appears And in the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, an Old Testament book, the white stag is there to describe God. Sometimes a white stag is peering through our window, and sometimes he stands up on the mountainside. He's calling us out to pursue him, yet we can never find him. We can never never really fully capture him. And yet to know God and to be on an adventure with God is to follow him in great pursuit. And that's what I sense. That's what I see in Psalm 25 and so many of these psalms is that God is calling us to the great adventure once more into deep, 
amazing friendship, a God that is beyond knowing or figuring out, and yet a God that we can know personally, intimately, as our friend. I want to reread some of the verses of Psalm 25, and I invite you to stand with me as just look at these words through this image of the white stag. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love. Remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who are they that fear the Lord? He will teach them the way that they should choose. They will abide in prosperity, and their children shall possess the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them. You can have a seat. What's the great themes of of the verses that we just looked at? But God is calling us to this real deep friendship with him. The NLT version in verse 14 puts it this way, that the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. In the message, those same, that same words are translated in this way, that God friendship is for God worshipers. They are the ones he confides in. And the Amplified Bible puts it this way, that the secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, revere, and worship him, and he will show them his covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. What I sense from God in these passages is an invitation. God is inviting us to know him in a personal way, that God is calling us into deeper friendship with him. And this close companionship and confidential counsel is available to every one of us. All of us can know God in this way. I want to invite you to think about one of your closest friendships. It may be with your spouse or a significant other or a deep friend or a brother or sister or a parent. What characterizes that friendship? Truthfulness, right? <laughs> Candor? It's a, it's a relationship where you, you don't have to measure the words. You might even call each other nicknames. But there's an intimacy, there's a familiarness in that relationship that you can say whatever you really want to say. You can have a free exchange of ideas. You can press each other a bit. And this is all over the Psalms. And so in this Psalm that we just read, God is inviting us to know him in a personal way. And what I love about the Psalmist 
in David and saying these words is that he's talking to God about his great character traits, that God is steadfast love and trustworthy and dependable, and yet he's pressing against God a bit and saying, God, I really need you to come through for me on this. That's what a true relationship and friendship is like. And God is inviting you, inviting us into that. My morning got off to a bad start. I got up out of bed a little before six, looked at my cell phone, got a text from my credit card company that told me that I might be a victim of some fraud uh, exchange over the night. And so I called the number, I checked it out. Uh, You see, my wife and I are going to Canada in eight days, two hours, and 27 minutes, but who's counting? And over the night, um, there was a transaction that's unusual for me that was made in Canadian dollars, the 210 Canadian dollars, and my credit card company eliminated that transaction because it was suspicious, and so I had to call back and try to get all that rectified and clarified this morning as I'm preparing to preach. And in the midst of all that, I'm reminded of this world that you and I are living in. Who do you trust? What can you believe? And for many people, it's hard to trust in God. My credit card company was ready to change and cancel my whole card because of one transaction they thought was suspicious. I wonder how many of us are holding something against God today. We just feel like God didn't come through for us in some transaction, and we're ready to exchange God just like we would exchange a credit card. But God is trustworthy. God is dependable. And God wants us to know that, and God wants us to be honest with him about what's really going on in this relationship in our lives. One of the things that God is really pressing in on me is truthfulness. It seemed like that's the word that's really captured my heart since the first of the year, that God is really calling me to a deeper truthfulness, a deeper reality of honesty with him about who I am and my frailties, but also a truthfulness to my brothers and my sisters, a truthfulness and a candor. And not to compromise or to shortchange truth. We live in a world where the truth is being thrown down and not valued. Jesus said, I am truth. And we so often are like Pilate who mocks in response, what is truth? God is calling us to a sense of truthfulness, a true relationship with him where we can depend upon God and we can know God in a personal way and we can test him out. God wants us to do that. I love the words of J.D. Walt when he said this week, that this is what prayer designs to do. This is what prayer designs to do, to cause us to risk overstepping our bounds, that we might find the boundary and turn right up to it, that God will handle our bravery in his presence far better than our passive tendency to play it safe. I love that statement because I think so many times Our conversation with God, our prayer with God, our relationship with God is so passive. We have a way of aiming at nothing and hitting it every time in what we pray about. 
And God can't handle that. What God can handle is when we get in his face. That when we get specific, when we dare to be daring, when we dare to be bold, when we are confident enough to say to God what we really want and what we really desire, and God would much rather deal with, okay, hold back a little bit, than the passivity and the, of the way in which we oftentimes carry on conversations with God. Miss Molly is a person who teaches in our preschool. She's a great teacher, a great person of music, and a great prayer. It was about uh, a couple of weeks ago she had the audacity to come into our church office and to let us know that she had been praying for a new vehicle, a vehicle for our preschool, a 20-passenger vehicle in which one of our classes right now, a class of 12 or 15 students, have to divide up into two different vans because one vehicle can hold the class plus the adults. And so whenever we take one class in our preschool these days, you got to divide them up into two vans, and you got to have four adults because you got to have two adults in every van because we wisely follow the safe sanctuary policy of two adults in the presence of every child. And so she has the audacity to say to us, we need a 20-vehicle passenger for our preschool, and I'm praying for it. The audacity of this woman and a few weeks later, there was an anonymous couple that gave the church the money to cover the van, the vehicle, and then some. I called Molly this week to talk with her about this. And she wanted to press in on this. She said, Bob, anybody can pray. Don't lift me up as some great example. She said, anybody can pray for great things, because I serve a great God. And I asked her, how long have you been praying for this? She says, two years. She says, I've been praying, I'm praying for more things. And she went ahead to tell me some other things <laughs> she's praying about. And she told me, I've been praying for some things for 30 years and it's still not happened, but I am praying. Because greater things than these shall we do because Jesus says, I go to the Father. And God is calling us to a greater sense of confidence and boldness and adventure in following the white stag in our life. Last week, Pastor Alex from Puerto Rico and Pastor Lucas were here. And they came to talk about this great mission, this great adventure of restoring power and medical access on their island just off the coast of the main island, Puerto Rico, where 9,000 people do not have access because the hospital was destroyed by the hurricane. And after taking them uh, to lunch, I asked Pastor Alex, what is the one thing you need right now to be able for these mission teams to begin to go in August? And he said, I need a van. Our van was destroyed by a horse. <laughs> you should have seen the horse. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said, how much does the van cost? He says, $15,000 a minimum, $25,000 maximum. Last Sunday, 
at the 11 o'clock service when I got up and talked about this, I, I just heard God say through me, Schweitzer, we need to raise at least $15,000 before I had this conversation with Alex. And so daring to be specific. And so we're going to do this. And, and we ask everyone to pray daily for this relief effort that we ask people to consider going on mission teams. And we ask that those who can and want to, to give so that we can provide a van for this church by the end of July. If you can't give, you don't want to give, that's fine. Just give because, only because if God wants you to give. But I lift that up as an example of being on an adventure with God, on being specific with God, of pressing in and pressing through and being bold in what we ask of God to do in this world. God is calling us to that. And oftentimes, this is what I do. Sometimes I lose my intimacy with God because I'm like a four-year-old child where you tell a four-year-old child, here's your boundaries, you can't cross this line. Literally, you draw the line. And what does a four-year-old child sometimes do? <laughs> they'll test the boundaries, right? Sometimes they'll cross over the boundaries, but oftentimes they'll step right up to the line. Even stick their nose over the line <laughs> in kind of a defiant obedience. And God is saying, is that really obedience? Isn't obedience walking closely with me? Isn't obedience really jumping and running immediately to do what I ask of you to do? Isn't that the kind of a relationship that we want? Isn't that what really characterizes true friendship? Maybe you are someone that is just trying to get up to the line and you know your boundaries, but why live like that when you can live in close relationship and fellowship with God? I love the invitation of Gary Wilkerson. And these words just popped out at me this week, and they, they may be the words for you too. But you are coming into a season of greater spiritual hunger. You'll find yourself with a greater desire just to be with him. You will find old habits and patterns broken in the name of Jesus. And with new zeal and passion, you will explode in the glory of God. And that's the great adventure in which we are called. On this Father's Day, I want to say something to men today. We live in a world that needs good men. We need men who will do no harm to children or women. We need men who know how to be gentlemen. And we also need men who will go on the great adventure and be bold and daring. But I would say to you this morning that we do not just need good men, but we need godly men. As I look at things, I see that we really kind of have three options, guys. We can do harm. We can be harmful men. Or we can be good men. Or we can be godly men. Let me share uh, my own story and my own family tree a bit to illustrate the importance of being a godly man. 
My father was a good man. My father was a World War II veteran. Honest. As the day is long. Provided well for his family. Passed on some great qualities of hard work and reliability. But my father was not a godly man. I never ever heard my father pray. My father seldom went to church. When I heard my father use God's name, it was in vain, (laughs) it was in cussing. Only until the end of his life did he open up his heart to God. I used to resent him, even after he died, for not being a godly man or the kind of man that was more approachable. Until I realized that his father was not a good man, but a man who did harm. It wasn't that my grandfather was wicked through and through, but he did harm to my father. He abused my father. He did harm. And I recognize that my father was a much better father to me than his father was to him. But being someone that just says, I'm not going to do any harm, isn't enough. And choosing simply to be a good man isn't enough because at our own moral strength and our own abilities, we will do harm even when we seek to do good. But what is needed is men are men who are godly men. Men who will pursue God. Men who will pray. Men who will seek God's forgiveness and mercy and say to God, as the psalmist says, Don't remember my transgressions, but remember me on the basis of your goodness. Men who will pursue God as a white stag in their life, men who are relentless, men who will not compromise truth, men who are godly, men who love God and teach their children to love God and will not budge an inch when it comes to obedience and what God is calling us to do and be. Be such a man. Women and men, be such people. Be the people of God and go after God in a wild pursuit. This God that is ghost-like and beautiful. This God that is uncatchable and yet this God that can be known in a personal way. A God that doesn't fit into our equations or our predictability but a God that can be known intimately nevertheless and a God that will shape us and move us and change us and transform us. And by doing so, will help us to be first the godly man for our family that we need to be and the godly man for our community that we need to be, the godly man for our church and our world that we need to be. So what is your mascot for God this morning? Your mascot may not be the white stag. Your season in life, your time in life, it may be something very different. That's good. Go with it. 
go with the metaphor that is faithful to the way that God has revealed himself in Scripture through the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. Run with that and go after God and just watch and see how God becomes your deep, dear companion and friend. In the words of the, of the Scripture, God friendship is for God worshipers. They are the ones he confides in. As our praise team comes up, I'm just going to lead us in a moment of prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for this clear call on our life today. Thank you for the great mystery of knowing you. Thank you for the adventure you call us to. Help us, God, not to settle for just trying to be good or just stepping within our boundary lines, but to press in to where you want us to be. God, I pray for a a breaking free of people who are holding something against you. I pray against a spirit that says you're not dependable, that we would trade you off like a credit card company exchanges numbers. But you are the God of the universe. You are the one true God and Father of Jesus Christ. And we can know you by the name that Jesus gave you. Daddy. Abba. Father.